the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. When you're a man like Bill Withers, who was living a life like he was living in 1971, an adult life with relationships almost entirely outside of show business, a life that had seen some things, it would make sense that the music you write and the stories you tell would appeal to people who'd also seen some things. You know how art can sometimes be highbrow and other art can be lowbrow, either too complex or abstract or sophisticated or too simple or fluffy or uncultured. As it turns out, unlike how you can be under or overwhelmed but you can't be just whelmed, something can be middlebrow, just complex enough to have its roots in reality but simple enough to be universally appreciated. That is the sweet spot where Bill Withers' music lives. And why, from a time when popular music was becoming increasingly layered and complicated all the way through today, when popular music can sound deceptively simple, just as I am in all of its middle-brow glory, is still so beloved and appreciated. In this episode of The Opus, we'll look at Bill Withers' first album through a populist lens. The stories and themes make this album have long-lasting universal appeal. We'll talk today with people who knew him and admired him and continue to spread the good word of Bill Withers' work. For the Consequence Podcast Network and Sony Legacy, I'm Jill Hopkins, and this is The Opus. Come on, friends, let's go. And I know, 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 I Andy Green of Rolling Stone magazine wrote a piece called Bill Withers, The Soul Man Who Walked Away. This was in 2015, shortly before Bill was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He spoke at length with Bill and his family, all of whom 
thrived and were thriving long after Bill had left the music industry. He also spoke to Amir Questlove Thompson. You know Questlove from the legendary Roots crew. Questlove is a huge Bill Withers fan, humongous. When Bill Withers passed away last year, Questlove took to his YouTube, Instagram, Twitchy channel and treated us all to several hours of Bill's music. Questlove called Withers the last African-American everyman, the closest thing black people have to a Bruce Springsteen. I asked Andy Green from Rolling Stone magazine what he thought about Just As I Am, this album full of easily accessible soul music that still sounds so fresh today. I think because he was never someone that was jumping onto trends. A lot of artists in the 70s, when disco hit, they incorporated that into their music. As things got funkier, they incorporated a lot of those elements. People were trying to be the OJs or trying to be Donna Summer. I, I love those artists, but that wasn't Bill. He was as much folk-inspired as he was soul-inspired. And he played guitar wonderfully. And so he grew, in 1971 when he started, it was the peak of the singer-songwriter era. It was Neil Young, it was Cat Stevens, it was Carly Simon, Harry Chapin, and he was sort of a part of that in some ways. You know, I think if he'd been those same songs were sung by a white man, he wouldn't classify differently. But there was so much soul in his voice also that he was almost beyond any one genre. It was hard to pin him down. John Batiste has done numerous tributes to Bill Withers. Every musician I spoke to for this has. There was a special one, though. It was a collaboration in 2015 with Ed Sheeran. They teamed up for a cover of Just As I Am's Ode to a Lost Love, Ain't No Sunshine. Ain't no sunshine. Batiste himself sees the Springsteen comparison like this. Yeah, I think about Bruce Springsteen, and that's the same kind of influence that a Bill Withers, you know, we should assume that he has just based on what he's done, or like a Paul Simon. And these are people that I know and I love, and, you know, I've even got a chance to work with. But um, Bill, for whatever reason, when he was alive, and even still today, we don't understand just how widespread his influence is and that, yeah, of course somebody like Ed Sheeran would be influenced by Bill Withers just because Bill is really one of the top of all time. And any great songwriter like Ed or anybody that's out today that's making music, it, it's, it's too influential and too impactful for it to be missed. John went on to describe a, a pretty big deal of a tribute show that took place at Carnegie Hall, where Bill once recorded 
a live album that I'm sure you've heard and I'm sure you love. Both the night of the recording and the night of the tribute can both very safely be described as magical. The original Withers recording was in 1973, but the tribute took place in 2015, a very busy year for Bill. Is star-studded an overused term? Because baby, the stars, they studded. The event was also a fundraiser. It was called Lean on Him. And in addition to John Batiste and Ed Sheeran, the evening featured Dr. John, Cheryl Crow, Amos Lee, Michael McDonald, Kebmo, Gregory Porter, Ladizi, Branford Marsalis, Jonathan Butler, Anthony Hamilton, and Aloe Black, who had been pushing for John to work on something just like this for Bill for a while. It was great to see those folks all in the same room, like Aloe Black. He had a relationship with Bill before I did. He would always tell me stories about conversations he had with Bill, you know, back in like 2009. And, um, you know, when I was really just getting into making my own albums outside of jazz and we were writing songs together, he'd be like, man, Bill, you got to talk to Bill. You got to meet Bill. And I was like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And then it was cool to kind of have that full circle moment where we're all at Carnegie Hall and I had a relationship with Bill at this point. We all were together talking about, yeah, I told you, man, Bill, <laughs> you know, he's the cat. Here's Aloe Black talking about that night himself. We did a tribute to Mr. Withers at the Carnegie Hall. And the money that was raised at this tribute went to a charity for children who stutter. And Greg Fillingaines was the music director of that night. And he had suggested to me that I should sing Hope She'll Be Happier. Now, I'd heard all of Mr. Withers' music, but Hope She'll Be Happier, at the time that I first heard it, didn't have an impression on me the way that it did when Mr. Fillingaines reintroduced it to me. And we rehearsed it, and it just felt like magic. It was so deep. And then we performed it in Carnegie Hall, and it was even more magical and even more deep. And so that song now has, has to be, you know, one of my favorite Bill Withers songs. It is so heartbreaking. Thinking about the lyric, hope she'll be happier with him now that I'm a husband and a father, um, having had all the experiences I've had in life, in relationships. Wow. It wasn't meant to, to hit me so early on. It was meant to hit me, you know, more in this stage of my life. And what a big, what a big uh, song. Yeah, it is a big song. It's a very big song full of like the biggest of feelings, heartbreak, sorrow, regret, the biggest, my least favorite feelings. It got a very big performance from Aloe Black and an equally big reception from an audience that clearly connected with the material.
That original Carnegie Hall show concert album was huge. It sold a lot of copies. I think I, I think everyone in my family has a copy. That and that tribute concert at the same place were the closest most fans of Bill's ever got to experiencing him perform. We spoke about it a few episodes ago, but Bill was not a fan of live performances. He wasn't a fan of traveling. He kind of wrote the songs, recorded the songs, released the songs, and let them be. Just As I Am was the world introduction to his stories, but on the Carnegie Hall album, he was emoting. That Carnegie Hall record is, oh my God, that's maybe his best record as far as I'm concerned. It's just the emotion he puts into those songs. Grandma's hands clapped in church on Sunday morning. Grandma's hands played a tambourine so well. Grandma's hands used to issue out a warning. She'd say, Billy, don't you run so The emotions... Bill gave us on Just As I Am and on that Live at Carnegie Hall album range from grief to celebration, sometimes all in the same song. As I had conversations with all the folks involved in this podcast series, one song kept coming up as people's favorites, which I really think speaks to how people feel about their grandmothers as much as it speaks to the quality of grandma's hands. Grandma's Hands tells a story, tells Bill's story, tells Bill's grandmother's story. Her protectiveness, sometimes overly so. Her eyes, her hands, her literal hands. And how he hopes someday that they will be reunited. And you know what? I hope it's happened. I keep a picture of my grandparents on my desk Herman and Lillian so my grandma's always with inside of me while I'm on the zooms and the calls Phil Cook from his golden messenger and a host of other musicians form the grandma's hands band in the first episode of the series we talked about their set at the Newport Folk Festival they could have chosen any number of names for their projects even some that rhyme. Ain't no sunshine, good time band. I don't know. I Just off the top of the dome. But this name spoke to them because that song itself speaks to them and to so many people. What is it about grandmas? I feel, I feel that grandmothers are something that as I'm now entering my 42nd year, if I just talking to somebody and someone starts talking about their grandmother, more often than not, it summons their greatest, their greater self. I think grandmothers are, are like something that truly could unite everyone across platform of what grandmothers can be in the sense, what my grandmother meant to me. And the more I get to know people, when people talk about their grandmothers, they're not they're they're not thinking about like politics necessarily. They're not thinking about these other things. They're thinking about this kind of like dedication, this wisdom, and like this patience and this acceptance. Like so many people that I know, their grandmothers offered this very special safe place for them 
that wasn't offered anywhere else in their life, a, a unique space. So I often think like we would all get a lot more done as far as just like getting getting some of the unnecessary stuff out of the way if we were to be like, tell me about your grandmother. Tell me about your grandmother. That's a great way for me to just like get into somebody. Like think about that somebody probably has a grandmother that they love. That means something very specific and special in their heart. And only they ever, it's so personal to everybody, what their grandmother means. But I know what it means to me. And I, I do know a lot of people that it means the world to them. Grandmother relationship is so important. And it really? felt like it lines up with folk, folk, like Newport folk, just like, let's get that I, grandma idea into your head right away. Because grandmothers are timelessly cool. Grandmothers are cool. And so are nanas and mimas and big mamas. Jose James himself, a great musician, a huge fan of Bill Withers, a tribute giver, and a grandson, agrees. When I think of like grandma's hands, a song like that, I'm just mm-hmm. like, man, like, wow. Like you can see the, the sun setting. You, you can see, you see images, you know, like I can see like Ava DuVernay <laughs> filming something gorgeous. You know, or like, or Toni Morrison, Beloved, you know, like all of that. And I think, you know, when, when people get so, so specific in such a, a, a beautiful, deep and intelligent way, then it becomes universal. John Batiste. Well, I think that the fact that Bill Withers had actually made manifest this rare gift, you know, he figured out a way to be this figure in music that could express these very real, real emotions and real types of experiences that people could relate to on a number of different levels from the art of it to the actual real life application of it and it being a cautionary tale or being something that you've gone through yourself. But once he was able to do that and establish that, which happened before Just As I Am, then you get this sort of masterwork where you have a person who has created something that we haven't seen before at the top of their craft. And in particular, there's always things about a masterwork of this nature. When you reach an artist at that kind of a crossroads where the world is meeting them and they're bringing something new and everybody is waiting for the next thing. Just as I am was kind of that next thing. And the song grandma's hands is really the apex of that moment because it's talk about relatable. It's a song that somehow feels like everybody's grandmother and everybody has a grandmother. And that's a hard song to write. I don't even know of another song that's quite like that, that can really talk about a, a love song to grandmother. You know, like that that's a feeling that most of us have this deep affinity for our grandmothers. But to actually write that song, I think encapsulates what we're talking about here. I know a lot of people who are raised by their grandmothers. The love that a grandmother has for a grandchild sometimes supersedes the parent's love. For whatever reason, the situation can lead us to our grandparents as the primary source of of connectivity. 
it's just built into the family structure in that way. And some, somehow he was able to capture that. That lyric also is, it, it has a quality about it that's like the blues. It has a quality about it that's like a hymn. And it has a quality about it that's soul music. Mm, but not just any soul music. That's Bill Withers. Bill wrote for people who have loved and lost and those who have never loved at all. Bill wrote for those who value platonic love, brotherly love, and the kind of maternal love that sets a foundation for all of your future loves. And that covers just about everybody. Coming back to that Questlove quote, Bill was the Bruce Springsteen of black people. I'm not sure I 100% agree with that. Especially not when Tracy Chapman exists. But I don't think the boss would mind being called the white Bill Withers. Bill wrote for him too. But maybe we'll just go with like New Jersey Bill Withers just to be on the safe side. Please don't at me. In the next and final episode of our Just As I Am season, we'll find out what it was like to make the album. Why Booker T. Jones' vibe as a producer was so important to how the album turned out. And why one session drummer's favorite memory of being in the studio involved someone else behind the kit entirely. For the Consequence Podcast Network and Sony Legacy, I'm Jill Hopkins and this is The Opus. I'll see you next time. Hey, call your grandma. A lot of folks of all different nationalities and things come up to me and say, I dug my grandmother too. And I remember the first Consequence Podcast Network. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolles, the founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. Keep the music flowing. We'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast.